Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of the Cabbage Podcast, produced by Church at Bowling Green in Kentucky, USA. I'm Kenan Ballou. And I'm Lee Folks. And on this season of the podcast, we are meditating on psalms. Um, each week, we are choosing a different psalm. We are spending some time um, individually uh, and, and then kind of uh, in our conversations, kind of meditating on these psalms, trying to figure out how they can relate to us, how we can see the heart of God through um, through these these psalms that were written for us so many years ago. So um, today we're on 65. Kenan, how are you doing? You... I'm doing pretty great. It's been a good week for me. Good deal. Good deal. Well, we'll uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. I know that um, 65 is a little different from one of the other ones, some of the other ones we've had, so um, may not be May not be as long, but we'll see what we're going to do. So let's uh, let's start with a prayer, and then we will um, we'll jump into Psalm sixty-five. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for all that you have have provided for us. We know that you want us to know you. We know that you want us to be still and trust you. And we pray that as we talk about Psalm sixty-five today, that we can um, reflect the things that you want us to know through this psalm, that we will not um, try to put our own agenda on there, that we won't try to um, speak where you do not speak, but we will will be true to your word that you provided for us. Um, I pray for all those who are listening to this, that they will be encouraged by the words uh, of David that are recorded here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how was your week, Lee? You know, it was all right, Kenan. I've was uh, working a little bit more from the office than I um, have been. So I didn't, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's why I had, I had a little bit more trouble focusing on this. Um, actually, I guess, and as we were talking a little bit before, um, I get your input on this. I feel like it's easier to relate to, maybe not specifically the things that David writes about in some of the other Psalms, but Psalms that talk about suffering or refuge or difficulty are, I can at least pull something from that. Um, Psalms, this psalm is is primarily just of praise, and it I guess it just convicted me a little bit more that that's not something that I do on a regular basis. Um, I I feel like I, I try to have a good balance. I, I try not to, you know, just be going to God asking for things, but I don't do as good a job of of just praising God for who He is. I don't know if you can relate to that at all, or maybe you do better at that than I do. Well, no, I think I can relate to that too. I guess the question is, what is praise exactly? I mean, was was David just sitting there in the field saying this out loud, or was his praise literally writing this down in a in a song or a poem? His his art, if that was, I mean, obviously, I think that was his praise, but I'm not really an artist, so I don't know how to praise him in the same kind of way. I mean, the obvious is praising mm-hmm. in song in a, in a in a collective setting, you know, singing songs together. That's a clear, obvious way of doing that. But how to do it on our own, not exactly sure either. It, you know, as you say that, it makes me think, you know, a lot of the, like, when we talk about praise, we talk about songs of praise that we <laughs> have a book called Songs of Praise. Um, but when we when we do sing songs that are intended to be praise, it is, I'm seeing somebody else's words that were written and a melody that was written by somebody else and trying to take it into 
my life and use it to motivate me to to think more about God in some way. But this this praise that that David has, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying we should quit singing songs. Um, but David's is his. It's like the overflow of his heart. I think as I read Psalm 65, I try to think of it. It, it seems. It's possible that this is David as a shepherd boy sitting out there watching his flock, seeing the sun come up, and just in awe of God's majesty in some way. So maybe maybe that's a thought of praise well, well, totally different. Maybe not everyone is called to write the songs of praise. So, I mean, I, I don't want to feel guilty because I'm not writing the <laughs> psalm. You, did, you didn't write uh, five psalms this week in your spare time? No, I, I did not. O- only three and a half. Okay, well, on the, you got to work on it. The fourth one. But, uh, well, you know, he saw, uh, David was a great artist, and uh-huh. great art evokes something in us. It evokes something. I mean, there's bad art and then good art. And I mean, that's a difficult conversation about what is art, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, I think you can, um, putting aside the complicated debate, good art evokes something good in you. That's my kind of my simple definition right now. And this is great art because you can read these things and it means something. So I, I don't think David was the only great artist, but this is clearly stuff that has been handed down for thousands of years because it's good. Right, and so I I can appreciate that, and it can evoke in me great things, even if I didn't actually write it. But I'm glad there's still artists that I think are still making good art. I don't know if anyone's writing songs as good as David, but maybe. Well, I don't know. I've seen the Grammys. I I don't think they are. Um, <laughs> so I I guess my the thing I'll just mention, and then we can dig dig into this a little bit. But the thing that has just occurred to me after a whole week of reading the psalm, the thing I, when you made that comment a minute ago just occurred to me. I, my praise, not that I can't sing pra- sing songs that David wrote or other people wrote that, that caused me to praise, but, but my praise needs to come from within me to God and, and not something that I try to create within myself. You know, it's it's if I really focus on God, then I will I will feel praise. And my praise, that's a very good point will be different than David's. Maybe my praise is the things that the gifts that God has given me using those in a way to, to help other people. So anyway. Um, or at the same time, your praise can be the same words, but from your heart. I mean, Jesus taught us how to pray. Yeah. And I don't think we're necessarily called every single person to always come up with this amazing prayer. I think it's okay just to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. He literally said, pray in this way. Yeah. And in the same way, it seems like just reading these songs, we can praise with the words of David, possibly the, the words of other people. I'm all, saying all this because I'm really not good at writing poetry, and I'm just <laughs> oh, trying, to, trying to find a way to save face here, because if, if I had to write my own songs of praise, they'd be oh, no, no. not great. I am not suggesting that we are, are all called to write poetry, because uh, I've, I've seen some people write poetry, and we are not all called to write poetry. Um, so, so Psalm 65, I I think really there's, there's two main points or or two main pieces to it, not complicated at all. Um, the first one is just the first section, just this, um, standing in awe of God, this, this idea that there will be, I don't know what your version says. Mine says there will be silence before you and praise in Zion 
oh God, and to you the vow will be performed. Um, and, and just a little thing about just describing God, what he does for us, his relationship to us. He hears our prayers, he forgives our sins, and he brings us in to dwell in his courts um, and in his in his temple. Um, so it, it seems, again, you know, it, it is, is David just reflecting on his relationship with God. Um, I can't tell if he is, I, I can't tell if he's asking for something or I can't tell if he is um, in a good place or a bad place with this um, because it's kind of a straightforward description of who, of, of what God does and God's relationship to us. It feels like he's in a good place here. I guess that's the take I, I feel like. Yeah. That he's just, especially when you take in the rest of the psalm, he's just really meditating on these things and he doesn't seem in a particularly down place. I mean, most of the rest of the, the psalm is pretty upbeat. Yeah. And I think whether or not he wrote this while he was a shepherd boy, I think it'd be hard to argue that he wasn't influenced by his time out in the pastures watching nature. It, it must be, so I'd put it this way, you know, that you would quote boring, unquote, being a shepherd but I think people who do it successfully can find the beauty. And uh, that's, it's a challenge for me just sitting and not doing anything. <laughs> but I think that's a shortcoming in me and not a, a, a argument that it's not a good thing. I mean, it, it, maybe it's really good the people who can just sit up there and stare at the pasture or the sheep. That's probably a good quality that I, I'm not particularly strong in. But that's a shortcoming in me, like I said. Well, and I think a part of our our society is is going that way as well. It is it is definitely unique to be able to sit and just be for a little while. Um, but I think that's a something that people are are trying to get us back to. I think people we talk about that a lot. But um, yeah, I I don't think that that's something that that is a common thing in our in our culture today. Um, that was kind of what what I thought the most about from the psalm when I was thinking about it is the second half starting in kind of, well, second part starting in verse five, just looking at the awesome deeds of nature and who established the mountains and who stills the seas and those at the end of the earth are in awe with your signs, just all these beautiful nature imagery, Mm -hmm. the going out of the morning and the evening, watering the earth, enriching it full of water, the year crowned with bounty, etc. And I just keep thinking how incredibly removed from nature a lot of aspects of our modern society are. And I don't know, maybe that's just the way I've lived. And maybe there's plenty of people who live out in the country and get this already. I've lived, I mean, Bowling Green is by far the smallest place I've ever lived. And I know some people consider it like the big city, you know, moving here from (laughs) somewhere else. But uh, I mean, this place is tiny for the compared to where I've lived in the past. And so I've always been in the midst of cars and concrete and traffic. And I appreciate more and more the older I get just being out in the wilderness. And I mean, I was in Boy Scouts growing up. I I went camping. I was outside a lot. I wasn't like in the urban jungle all the time. But I've spent a lot of my life working on the computer, living in digital worlds, being very focused on that kind of thing. And I haven't spent a lot of my life, as an adult at least, just thinking about nature and the more the older I get the more I'm trying to do that I I feel so much more at peace and I wonder if many other people in our modern society have a similar experience that there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear a lot of 
imbalanced understanding, imbalanced um, relationships with God, if they believe in anything at all. I wonder how much of that is due to just being constantly in a modern world that is just filled with people and technology and things that we think we can control versus being out in the nature where you're just, I mean, when you're standing in, next to a mountain, there's not much you can do. I mean, you are nothing compared to that mountain. Yes. So I, I want to, that was the big piece to me the, of, the, of the second part of this that I was was thinking about. And so maybe that's the, the place to go next. Well, you've already kind of gone there. Um, that, that what does it do to us as, even as Christians, to live in a world that is that is disconnected from nature, from seeing the the grandeur of the mountains, from seeing the um, the, the 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 crops that are constantly going, you know, from year to year. What does that do to us in terms of our relationship with God when we don't focus on that? Well, it probably gives us an inflated sense of our own importance and a, a sense of we control everything because so much of what we see is under control until things happen like what it was we bring up every week that we're in the midst of the, the COVID-19 crisis and uh, this is May 2nd, 2020. And, you know, this has been a big wake-up call that we're not completely in control and maybe that's exactly what happens, the, the kind of facade of control until something happens that's not controllable. And I think that's, I think that is exactly right. When we, um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and I won't try to go into to it too much because I can't, I haven't figured out a good way to say it yet. But that idea of control, you know, in, in, in counseling with people, that's the, that's the issue for most everybody is control. Um, when bad things happen to people, they lose control and that causes them to, um, you know, react in different ways to the trauma that's occurred. I and mean, that's the biggest trauma is just that lack of control. Um, and so people try to get control back in different ways. I, I think as, as Christians, we have, as Christians in America, I can't speak, I haven't been a Christian anywhere else. Well, I was in Italy once, I was a Christian there, but <laughs> not for very long. Um, but as Christians living in America, um, we are, we, we are spoiled. Um, because a lot of the things that that's, I guess that's one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, too, is that, um, a lot of the things that we used to think about or worry about or, um, get upset about when I was growing up, those things are not really that important when it comes down to a situation like this, where there are people, you know, people dying of, of a, a virus. And we don't know how, if we're going to be in our homes for a month or two years or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think that people, um, in, in uh, some of the, some of the things in, were you talking about this on their other podcasts? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, the days are running together. Uh, I heard somebody somewhere talking about how many other, um, big pandemics have, have happened throughout the course of time. Um, you know, the, the plague or the, the, I don't know, different things. That have happened over time and so we just have have had this illusion that we have control over our health and over all these other things and and when that control is taken away from us then we're sitting around we feel afraid because we don't know how to stop it um and so i think that we we even as christians and we 
um, we, we trust God and we say we trust God, but this is, has really caused us to think about that in a, in a new, a new way. And it makes us kind of like the Psalm is talking about, it makes us feel very small because we're in, in the, in the presence of something that is much bigger and out of our control. Has it been a struggle for you personally along those lines? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I feel like that I, I don't sit around wringing my hands and worrying about it. Um, I'm trying to be careful. I'm trying to do the things that we're supposed to do. Um, I, but I do think that it has caused me there. There are moments that I start to sit and think, you know, what is, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what about, you know, how would we deal with this? What if the, what if the, you know, right now there's plenty, I went to the store today. There's plenty of food, still no bread flour. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but you have to go on the right day. I got some last <laughs> week, but there was like four bags left. Everybody's making bread on Saturdays. I don't know. Um, but, um, I, that's what I did today. So yeah, well, I took uh, your flour. Sorry. That's okay. I'll, I, I can't get any. Um, but you know, what happens if food in all seriousness, what happens if all of a sudden we can't get food that that's, but then I, I can go on to something else and not, not really dwell on that. Um, but I think there's, you know, I don't, I can see a scenario in which our, our, um, life that we know right now could be very different. And I realize that we're, that I'm fortunate, you know, we're, we're fortunate. We're, we're able to do the things that we're doing. And it really, um, it's like a, a really long home, you know, staycation with the kids on some level, cause we're all at home. Um, so I, I feel fortunate about that. Some people are really struggling a lot more than, than I am. So uh, we've been really blessed to been able to work from home. So if, for us, it's been a relatively low impact compared to some people who've lost jobs or lost family members from the virus, et cetera. But along the lines you're saying, I, I, many of the people that Jesus spent a lot of time with, people mm-hmm. like beggars, people, lepers, you know, they were not food secure. Yeah. They were completely dependent on people giving them scraps, if anything. And I wonder... Would you know when when you can't just whip out your credit card and buy whatever food you want or order whatever you, you kind of have to depend on God because you don't have anything else, right? And it's probably harder to really deeply depend on God when you do have a lot of stuff. And you know, it's kind of a not a paradox, but it's a trade off. Because on one hand, God does provide, but there's always in the back of your mind, well, what if He doesn't? And I'm just kind of rambling here, but yeah, I, I wonder, how, how, it's it's probably pretty easy to say, oh yeah, we trust in God, he'll provide, when, when you got everything you just, want. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know if that's the, if we should just now really not have anything or not provide for our families or what, but I, you know, he called the, that, uh, the rich young ruler, give all your money away and follow me, and he couldn't. Yep, and I bet he was holding on to that feeling of, well, I need to, I want food and I want these things instead of just fully trusting. And I, I don't know how to give up everything either. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but Psalm sixty-five. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we are, this is actually, yeah. uh, despite it as is dark, the dark place we've gone to. I mean, this is the whole <laughs> psalm is talking about how God, you know, abundantly blesses the earth. It's more and reflection on us than it is on the psalm. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. I, I wish I thought of this earlier, but you can probably do this. You know, you've traveled a lot and lived in just some different places. Um, 
this talks about the mountains and the waves and the seas and things that really just um, make you feel um, in awe of God's beauty and, and creation. Are there places that you've been that you think of as that are um, have done that for you? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. That's the, the go-to place that everyone talks about feeling like a spiritual experience. I haven't yep. been there, but I've heard from the, everyone I know who's been there all agree that yes, it is that. Uh, every time I've been in the, the, the Rocky Mountains, mm-hmm. I think they're just probably the, the most gorgeous that North America has to offer. I mean, there's lots of lovely places, but the Rocky Mountains are hard to beat in terms yes. of awe and grandeur. And I mean, living in Germany, I went to the Alps a fair number of times, and the Alps are beautiful. But they're not as, and I'm throwing shade here on the Europeans, but they're not as just overwhelmingly magnificent, in my opinion, as the Rocky Mountains. It's been a few years since I've been to the Rockies, but uh, they're just unbelievable. I'm sure people who live in central Colorado, it's just like the the background. Boy, It it is interesting how you get desensitized. Uh, We have friends in, in southern Germany, which are on the Alps, and they appreciate it. But when you're living there, it's like it's the backdrop, and you just... Yeah. It's there, right? Yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> I've never actually lived somewhere with uh, awe-inspiring scenery. I've always lived places kind of like here that are that are lovely, but not really epic, you know? Right. I, I think of, it's funny, those are the two things. The Rocky Mountains, um, one of the first times I went to Colorado, we were driving up to Denver, and we were driving somewhat, I don't even remember, and we were driving from Colorado Springs and turned a corner and saw the Rocky Mountains for the first time, and I... I was blown away. That was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Um, and the Alps is another, I've been to the Alps a couple of times, a couple of times, throwing that around. Um, once I was eight, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but I, we were able to go when we were in Italy. Um, we were able to go there and uh, we'll see what I've got. I was able to go to Hawaii uh, with my fa- with my parents a long time ago. And um, that was, that was just beautiful. Um so I, I think of things like that, and those it's that's that's the thing to me. You 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 see that that sunset over that beautiful um, you know scenery, and it does something, and you just go, "Wow, that is amazing!" And it's so much more vivid than anything you could ever imagine anywhere else. And I guess it's at those times that you do feel very very small. I think of weather events. Um, I haven't ever been in a tornado or a hurricane or anything like that um but but i know again i'm going dark again but um when there is a, a tornado uh a warning and you think that there's one coming right there i mean that's that's pretty terrifying and you that's the thing you think i i can't do anything except for hide in my basement and hope that we're okay um so I think, when I was a kid, I think uh, when I lived in Houston, the eye of a hurricane passed directly over us and I do vaguely remember going outside and it was eerie it was like perfectly calm the sun was shining and like 30 minutes later it was a hurricane again it was crazy wow uh, i i as much as i appreciate epic scenery and these massive things i mean reading the psalm it's it's more kind of like the small things like you know providing grain and crowning the year with your bounty and the wagon tracks overflowing with abundance and the pastures overflowing and Guarding themselves with joy. Some of the, the things more along those lines. Have you ever been in Texas in March? Um, I don't know. I have not. Well, not uh, the cool thing about Texas, at least in kind of central, central East Texas, the wildflowers. And so you have just, I don't know if you've seen pictures, but you just have 
every field everywhere is just jam-packed with wildflowers. Mm. And the, the state flowers, the blue bonnets, is kind of purpley blue. Uh, you should look it up uh, on the internet. It's, it's just absolutely lovely. And all the, uh, the interstate greens on the sides are all covered with wildflowers. And it's just, it is absolutely stunning. Mm. And in, they're all, usually only there for two or three weeks and everyone's driving through the country taking pictures and you know taking family pictures sitting in the field and stuff like that and uh, it's worth it it's, i mean i've done family pictures in the field because yeah. they're beautiful but uh they're just so lovely and they're just they're just flowers i mean there's nothing majestic i guess but when you see this entire pasture just completely covered in purple blue it is it, it is gorgeous and and to think that that's something that happens every year and there's nobody that does it or makes it happen um yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it's it it does have the mountains and the roaring waves and all those things, but then it does have those things that that happen all the time. Um, those things that uh, uh, the flocks on the hill, you know, and and the crops that come. Um, it is it is comforting to know that that God provides constantly, um, and it it may not be in those big ways. It may be. Um, just through the just consistency of knowing that things are going to happen again and again and again. Uh, as I've talked about a couple of times the past few weeks, I've been uh, spending a lot of time in my garden and gardening. Gardening, and now that we're past the the last frost date, <laughs> the arbitrary first of May in in Kentucky, <laughs> uh, spent a lot of time today preparing some beds, planting stuff, and it's just this weird thing. You get this little seed, mm-hmm. and you just put it in the ground. And put water on it and then like a week later this thing pops out and it's like you don't really do anything for it other than i don't know put it in the dirt and put some water on it but it just happens and it, it's magical yes and if, if if any of you have never done that at the very least you should start some seeds on your windowsill it is just i mean you probably do it in school i don't know but uh it i hope you never lose the 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 wonder that i've really rediscovered the wonder on that it's just the, the seed i mean we had like a I think it was a spaghetti swash, and with the boys, I just said, hey, let's save the seeds and see if they grow. So we did, and they did. They almost all came up, and we have this little planting tree, and now we planted them, and now it's just, and the boys are checking on them every day, and we're making sure they have enough water, and it's it's not like we did that. It's not something we made, right? but it's just magical, this little seed. You put it in the ground, and all of a sudden, this plant comes up, and then you watch it from day to day, and you see it grow, and I've really enjoyed doing that. I've enjoyed being able to share that with my kids who've gotten really excited about it, too, and hopefully later this year, we'll have some food from it, but even if not, it's been a really fun uh, fun adventure so far, just watching them grow each day, and this sounds so silly, I guess, because everyone has done this, I guess, but uh, I, I've spent a lot of my life, like I said, living inside of a computer, and not appreciating stuff like this yeah. and you know when we can just go buy vegetables from the, the supermarket whenever you want to uh there's a it's a pretty cool thing to grow things that you can eat in your own yard yes oh uh, well i'll take your word for that i've never had good luck with the garden so have I, you never literally ever eaten anything that grew on your garden we had some banana peppers once recently um okay but that was really about it that that was all a cilantro. I grew cilantro once. Um, hey, well, there you go. See, so, you know, um, so we don't have enough information about this. and I don't think I have time to Google it well enough to, to have a, a, a intelligent conversation, but, um, I, I do wonder if the, the timing that you're talking about in the fifties and sixties, when, when people started 
doing more industrial type things um, corresponded to a um, any kind of religious change. Um, when we did start, you know, I, I can see where if you are a farmer and you are totally dependent on um, the rain, that you are are much more aware of your of your place in the universe. Um, whereas if you are, you know, able to create a company that makes big things or does big, you know, if you're doing stuff like that, you could feel pretty important. Um, so that'd be an interesting topic for another, another conversation. Yeah, probably trying, like the correlation between the, uh, the, the reduction and the number of people that are actually involved in agriculture, which seemed to be hitting in the early 20th century to like the fifties and the generation that grew up, you know, watching TV instead of their plants grow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting. I don't know. It does feel like there are a lot of things in, in our, or I guess my parents' generation, you're kind of in between. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, okay. I can handle it. <laughs> uh, that started being, focusing on things that are very different than like all humanity ever before. Just a lot of, of, of ways of living that pretty much since we have recorded history, people did until 60, 70 years ago. And now that I guess people in my generation are rediscovering to some way and saying, like, wow, it's so cool. I made sourdough bread. And like, yeah, I've been making that for 7,000 years or something. <laughs> but, you know, I, I feel like um, th that wasn't interesting in the last generation for, for a lot right. of people because people wanted to do fancy computer things and all these technological and watch TV and become whatever. And I, may maybe that's just my own experience. I, I certainly don't want to talk for the whole generation. But I am glad that that there does seem to be a, a renaissance of some of these older ways of being. And probably the people that have been doing that are just like, yeah, we've been enjoying this the whole time. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about that too, before we go on to our next Psalm, unless you have something else you want to say, but I think the thing that's interesting about that is that those are all things that are still, despite all of the technology that we have now in the, in, you know, 2020, all the things that's mentioned there in that psalm are still in existence. I mean, there's still there's still mountains, there's still um, you know uh, crops, and still gardens, and still uh, all those things are still there that David was seeing thousands of years ago, um, and and so we can still see God through those same things, but we have become distracted by a lot of the new new stuff sometimes. So. I'm going to make a bold prediction that they will be there thousands of years from now. I, I will. So if you're I'll listening to this in the that. year <laughs> yeah. 3020, you can, uh, and you're this little yeah. uh, enviropod on, on Pluto or something because the crops all failed and everyone left it. You can, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause this now who's, uh, now who's high on the podcast, this is going to make the 3020. Well, you know, that's the thing that these all these things come and go. The, the the viruses come and go. Technology comes and goes. Different things come and go. But those the mountains, the crops, the cattle, all those things have continue to be in existence. Um, so anyway, that's I don't really have a point. Well, that. Yeah, this, which psalm was it we were talking about with the uh, was it already forgotten? The the, uh, the we're just like flowers in the fields. I mean, it, those those beautiful flowers in Texas only last like two weeks. Yeah. But they come, they come again next year, but, you know, each individual flower is only there for, for a week or two or three. 
and it's gone. And that's, that's how we are. And if we remember that, then we can be really beautiful in the time we have, but not try to hold on to eternity. Yeah. It's all heavily. You know, I was just thinking about Proverbs that, that that's the exact same thing. It's that if there's a time, you know, the seasons, the, the, you know, spring now that we're, you know, maybe finally into spring, but it's almost summer, but um, you know, the, the trees, the flowers, all the things blooming are really cool and they're going to go away and it's going to be hot and, you know, and then it's going to be fall and then we winter and that, that cycle over and over and over again just reminds us that, that the things that God has created don't go away. It's an oversimplification, but anyway, so anything else on this Psalm? No, Lee, let us come and sing to the Lord. All right. So we, uh, going to go, <laughs> our master list says that we're going to go to Psalm 95 next. Um, in case anybody wonders, we're going week by week on this to say, hey, what should we do? Um, Shh, don't oh, give sorry. away our secrets, Lee. Trade. Is that inside? We have a plan. We have a plan. We do have a plan. Um, we wrote it five minutes before this podcast, but <laughs> it's on the list. So Psalm 95, uh, and this, I'm kind of a contrarian a little bit, Kenan, in, in that I don't, I don't like to do psalms that are the like the excuse me i love the 23rd psalm but i don't want to do that on here because everybody in there you know everybody's done a everybody has done a podcast on the 23rd psalm so um this one however is pretty familiar because there are a couple of songs that are written based on these words and maybe not everybody knows those songs but um but i do like this this psalm a lot and i feel like it gives us a good um some good Old Testament references uh, to the wandering in the wilderness that can grab onto and and talk about. So um, Psalm ninety five. Do you want to do you want to read that, or do you want me to read it, or do you sure, want to split I'll, it up? I'll read it. I'll read the whole thing. Okay. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the Rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a no- joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Well, finally we found a psalm that goes dark like we get dark. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you have any any uh, quick reaction to that. My, my first thing is it, it kind of is similar in some ways to what we just read. It still talks about God's power and God making the mountains and um, the depths of the earth and the the sea is his, um, him as the creator. But then it kind of goes into it that um, we have a choice. And we can either worship and, and bow down or um, be like the Israelites who who refused for 40 years and, um, and who did not get to enter the rest that God had provided for them. So the verse that stood out to me that kind of hit me in the initial reading here was 7. Talking about he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Mm. And feeling part of something, feeling like he is our God. We're not just doing our thing and kind of accepting God into our lives 
I mean, we're his. And we're, st- you know, we're out in his pasture feeding on his grass and he's there to protect us. But, you know, that is our choice. We could leave the pasture and then we're no longer his. Yeah. Well, I look forward to reading this uh, this week and meditating on it. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I, I'm, I really do. You know, my our, our goal at the very beginning of this was to encourage other people, but at least for us as the, you know, teaching the class <laughs> to be, um, to do better about not just rushing through something or reading something just to say we read it, but to really focus on the content of it. And, and I have to say, I've, I have really, um, I feel like that's been a really beneficial thing for me. Um, so whether anybody else ever listens to this or whether, um, you know, whatever happens, um, and, between now and 3020. Um, <laughs> I, this has been beneficial to me. And I've been able to use it. I, I've been able to use this with um, people I've been talking to. Um, I, I do think, you know, you ask me if, if how I'm, if I'm stressed out about all the, this coronavirus stuff and I'm not. And, and a part of it is because of this, because every morning I'm reading something that's talking about God making the mountains and, and creating the world and go, what? How can I be worried about that? So um, it's this has been really good study for me. So I hope it's been good for other people too. I've appreciated really focusing. I, I've like I said, I've I've read through the Bible before, but Psalms you get to. I did like a year Bible where you read it every day. I'm not bragging because I now I've checked it on my list. I have read the whole Bible, but. <laughs> I don't remember some of these psalms. So. And uh, I, that must have been because it was probably July 12th and you read like four psalms and as they just kind of all runs together. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of glad I did that. I think it was 2018 I did that. And I, I'm proud of me for finishing it. But at the end of the day, I it was almost a waste of my... Uh, it wasn't a waste of time. No, I, I don't want to put it that way. But there's so much of the Bible that I guess, yes, I read, but it was just a blur because I... I had this little app that, you know, you got the nice green check mark when you got the, the <laughs> daily reading. And so I, I probably was um, going for the check mark and not for really the understanding, which is a shame on me. And so I'm enjoying taking some of these more obscure. I guess it's hard to say obscure because this is the most popular book ever and it's uh, in there. But the Psalms, like you said, that are less talked about right. in media and, and church or whatever, and really spending a whole week thinking about them, that's been good for me too. So I look forward to continuing. That's good. Even if we do the, the, the trendy Psalm here, 95. Oh, well, you know, everybody's doing Psalm 95 this week, but that's okay. All right. Well, um, Kenan, it's been a pleasure, and I uh, appreciate you doing all the work. If anybody wonders, Kenan does all the technical aspects of getting this from our conversation here into an actual podcast, so I appreciate that. But It's um, just clicking buttons. I, <laughs> yes, it's clicking the right buttons, Kenan. That's the, that's the difference, knowing which buttons to click. I could click a few buttons, but it wouldn't be good. Well, we appreciate, uh, I appreciate you too, Lee. And uh, we wish those that are listening grace and peace in this week. And may God bless you. Yep. All right. We'll see you next week.